Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 83, recorded here on September 24th, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Thanks again for listening this week. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff to go over. Start out with the market update and outlook, get into some of the weekly Bitcoin news, and then I will feature my latest blog post on the Substack. So with that, we will dive right in to start with the market update. Stocks posted their fourth Straight daily loss Friday to end a rocky week that saw benchmark U.S. Treasury yields surging to 16-year highs and investors digesting hawkish revisions from the Federal Reserve. Central Bank was the main event of the week. The Fed's Monetary Policy Committee on Wednesday chose to keep rates steady, as widely anticipated. However, the latest dot plot, a summary of economic and rate projections, which is total bullshit, by the way, signaled Uh, one more rate hike this year, along with fewer rate cuts in 2024. Moreover, Powell at the post-decision conference said that a soft landing was not a baseline expectation, which further shook investor confidence. The Fed chair also highlighted that economic activity had been stronger than all expectations. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note climbed 12 basis points on the week to 4.44%, slipping a bit on Friday after surging Thursday to its highest level since October 2007. As the Fed projected, interest rates would remain higher for longer. For the week, the S&P tumbled 2.9% in its biggest loss since mid-March when the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank sparked a sharp sell-off while the Dow Jones average slipped 1.9% and the Nasdaq Composite closed 3.6% lower. And everybody with a 401k gets to watch their balances decline again. Moving ahead, looking ahead, uh, inflation trends will again be the key focus of investors next week with the U.S. PCE inflation reading and flash CPI reports from Europe due to be released. Other economic reports of interest include updates on durable goods, consumer confidence, new home sales, and the advanced goods trade balance. Analysts think the overall balance of data releases could confirm a cooling economy. Core PCE inflation, also known informally as the Fed's preferred inflation gauge, is forecast to be up 0.2% month over month to push the year-over-year rate down to 3.8%. Earnings reports in the week ahead include releases from Micron Technology, Costco, Nike, and Jeffrey's Financial Group. In the tech sector, Meta Platforms will host its highly anticipated Meta Connect, and Huawei will hold a key product event. Energy investors will be watching the Total Energies Investor Day event amid a recent rally in oil prices. All right, jumping into the weekly Bitcoin news now, um, we're going to start with a few uh articles on corruption 
First one here is from Coindesk. Uh, this is uh, posted on September 19th. Um, I thought this one was pretty funny and interesting. Sam Bankman-Fried's dad thought his son wasn't paying him enough, so he got mom involved. Just wait until mom hears about this. For any kid, this might not be an appealing set of words for a father to utter. Some version of that warning, though, allegedly played behind-the-scenes role in how Sam Bankman-Fried's once $32 billion crypto giant was run, according to a new court filing in the company's bankruptcy case. Bankman-Fried's dad, Joe Bankman, was paid a $200,000 salary by FTX's U.S. division, according to the filing from FTX's bankruptcy estate, which just sued Sam Bankman-Fried's parents to claw back money. But that wasn't enough, the father said, telling an FTX executive in a January 12, 2022 message that he was supposed to get $1 million annually starting the previous month. And this is a quote, gee, Sam, I don't know what to say here, putting your mom on this. And this was from Sam Bankman-Fried's dad, Joe Bankman. Then he emailed his son, um, and uh, this is the first I've heard of a 200K a year salary, putting Barbara on this. Barbara is Joe Bankman's wife and former FTX CEO, Bankman-Fried's mom, Barbara Fried. Bankman's influence paid off not only for him, but for Freed too. FTX's bankruptcy estate said in the Monday filing, within two weeks, Bankman Freed gifted Bankman and Freed together $10 million in funds originating from Alameda Limited. Within three months, Bankman Freed caused the couple to be deeded a $16.4 million property in the Bahamas, paid for with funds ultimately provided by FTX Trading. Elsewhere in the document, there's another assertion that Bankman Fried's parents played a key role in his business. As early as 2018, Bankman called Alameda Research the trading firm Bankman Fried founded and played a central role in the empire's demise, a quote, family business, a label he used repeatedly according to the filing. It was already known Bankman Fried's inner circle played big roles in his companies, but his this latest revelation suggests an unusual family dynamic. A parent taking advantage of their unique leverage over their child was also possibly at play. As Coindesk revealed last year, Bankman Fried's roommates were senior executives, including ex-girlfriend Caroline Ellison, who ran FTX's sister company, Alameda Research, and even before the empire's November 2022 collapse, it was known that Bankman Fried's dad was involved with FTX. Referring to the lawsuit brought Monday against Bankman and Fried, their two attorneys told Coindesk, This is a dangerous attempt to intimidate Joe and Barbara and undermine the jury process just days before their child's trial begins. These claims are completely false. And his massive, let's see, John J. Ray III, FTX's bankruptcy era CEO, and his massive team of lawyers who are collectively running up countless millions of dollars in fees while returning relatively little to FTX clients know better. Well, <clears throat> not surprising. Um, this is what happens when uh, there's uh, fiat incentives and there's just uh, total corruption and it just turns into theft from... Uh, from the poor people who invested in FTX. And uh, that's why you don't trust exchanges. You uh, hold your coins in self-custody 
because you just ultimately can't trust people. Um, you know, they will, uh, when they have all this money and power, they're just going to take advantage of it, even if they're Stanford Law and uh, high up in the uh, uh, political and uh, uh, economic circles. In fact, the higher up they are, the more likely they are to be corrupted by money, it seems like. So, uh, just pretty hilarious, though. I'm going to tell your mom. Uh, next, we have, this is also from Bitcoin. This is from Bitcoin.com. Uh, this was posted uh, three days ago. Uh, Ex-Alameda employee exposes firm's massive Bitcoin trading misstep. So, again, this is... Along the lines of the same uh, FTX news, uh, only this one has to do with Bitcoin trading. So an Alameda trader's fat fingers triggered a flash crash on Binance US in 2021. A past associate of Sam Bankman-Fried's crypto trading entity, Alameda Research, has been candid about his experiences within the firm. Aditya Bardwaj on August 23rd recounted that during his engineering tenure at Alameda, he saw his entire life savings stolen, pointing fingers at Bankman Freed. Bharadwaj shared that in his 18 months at Alameda, his personal and professional trajectory shifted dramatically. Fast forward to September 20th, Bharadwaj delved into an incident from October 21st, 2021, on that day, Bitcoin's valuation flash crashed by a staggering 87% on Binance US, only to rebound shortly after. He recounted that an Alameda employee mistakenly placed an erroneous order, describing it as a slip of a finger. The trader was trying to sell a block of Bitcoin in response to news and sent out the order via our manual trading system, Baradwash stated. What they missed was the decimal point was off by a few spaces. Rather than selling Bitcoin at the current market price, they sold it for pennies on the dollar. Uh, and then this is a quote from him. News outlets started picking it up too. Binance US, which was the epicenter of the flash crash, released a statement claiming that it had been caused by one of their, quote, institutional traders who had a bug in their trading algorithm. I guess Caroline had made some phone calls. This is an Alameda's maiden public fupa or CEO Caroline Ellison's as recently as December 2022, a whistleblower from FTX informed Bitcoin.com News about Ellison's margin account sinking by $1.3 billion in May 2022. During a conversation with Jen uh, Weisner from the New York Magazine, Sam Bankman-Fried opened up about a particular margin position that became untenably large. He emphasized that the sheer size of Alameda, Alameda's margin meant it was going to be closable in a liquid way in order to make good on its obligations. So again, if you haven't uh, figured out that exchanges are bad, then uh, I don't know what to tell you. Don't keep your coins on exchanges. Um, and these guys were just completely, um, I mean, just out of control in terms of how they managed all this money. And, uh, and maybe it was by design so that they could steal all of it. I don't know. I guess more will come out as the, uh, this court process proceeds. Next up from Decrypt, this is uh, September 22nd posted. Uh, 
Bitcoin critic Senator Menendez charged with corruption and bribery. U.S. Senator and Bitcoin skeptic Robert Menendez, who's a Democrat from New Jersey, has been charged with bribery after allegedly accepting swaths of gold, cash, and mortgage payments as part of a corrupt relationship with three businessmen in his home state. The charges follow years of criticism from the politician targeting cryptocurrencies, which he is accused of enabling a range of criminal activities while empowering foreign actors to evade U.S. sanctions. We also call this the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, from at least 2018 up to and including in or about 2022, Menendez and his wife Nadine Menendez agreed to and did accept hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes in exchange for using Menendez's power and influence, read the Friday indictment. Federal prosecutors allege Menendez helped enrich three businessmen, Y.L. Hanna, Jose Ribe, and Fred Dibes, while also benefiting the government of Egypt by providing sensitive U.S. government information, among other charges. For example, prosecutors say Menendez used his influence to dismantle a criminal probe in New Jersey against Uribe and to protect an Egyptian business monopoly granted to Hana by the Egyptian government that was partly responsible for paying Menendez's bribes. Menendez denied the allegations in the statement. I remain focused on continuing this important work and will not be distracted by baseless allegations, he said. All in all, the senator faces three federal charges, conspiracy to commit bribery, conspiracy to commit honest services fraud, and conspiracy to commit extortion under color of official right. If convicted, Menendez faces up to 20 years in prison. According to the indictment in June 2022, a search warrant against Menendez, his home, and a safe deposit box revealed some of the proceeds from the alleged bribes. Over $500,000 in cash, a luxury vehicle, and over $100,000 in gold bars. Prosecutors are seeking the forfeiture of the seized assets. Menendez's use of more traditional instruments to allegedly hide ill-gotten gains presents a stark contrast to his historic outlook on Bitcoin. In 2017, the senator sent a letter to FinCEN stating that the anonymous nature of Bitcoin transactions makes it an ideal choice for criminals, said the criminal. Menendez is well known in crypto circles for co-sponsoring the Accountability for Cryptocurrency and El Salvador Act, which seeks to investigate how El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender could create, quote, risks for cybersecurity, economic stability, and democratic governance in El Salvador. Well, that's a tell. Menendez was also among many politicians to sound the alarm on Facebook's now defunct stablecoin project Libra in July 2019. Libra could be the wild west of cryptocurrency where money launderers, criminals, and countries seeking to avoid US sanctions could operate, he said during a Senate hearing at the time. Once again, Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and this is what the fiat system has given us. Corrupt politicians. And this is just one of them. There are many, many more. So um, I guess he's going to go to jail. Well, maybe not. I mean, rules for thee, not for me. So uh, he'll probably figure out a way to get off and he'll get reelected and It'll just go on, and this will get memory hold, but we will not forget this. Uh, next up, this is from Decrypt. Um, 
kind of a weird article. Police seize Bitcoin mining machines in Venezuelan prison bust. And this was published a couple days ago on September 22nd. Let's dive in. Among rocket launchers, grenades, and bullets, Venezuelan authorities also seized an unlikely technology from criminals during a prison raid this week, Bitcoin mining machines. In an operation to crack the South American country's most powerful organized crime group Wednesday, 11,000 troops were used to raid the Tucaran prison in Aragua state, according to an official government uh, statement. Weapons were found in the mission, but authorities also grabbed Bitcoin miners, AFP reported Thursday. Videos posted on Twitter showed a building full of the machines. Interior and Justice Minister Rumigio Sabalos was quoted by the news agency saying that it was a successful operation that allowed us to strike a blow against criminal groups. The prison, which had been run by criminals for years, <laughs> included facilities like a swimming pool and a mini zoo. Venezuelan prisons are notoriously overcrowded and dangerous. Wednesday's operation was the first time Venezuelan authorities have targeted the feared Tren de Aragua, which is involved in everything from drug and human trafficking to extortion in its home country and others in the region. Mining machines are used to mint new coins to keep the Bitcoin blockchain secure. Those involved in the energy-intensive process need to use a lot of electricity, but are rewarded with new cryptocurrency and the endeavor can be quite lucrative. A report from Coinmetrics earlier this year showed that Bitcoin miners collectively earned $184 million from transaction fees in just April through June. Wednesday's raid isn't the first time criminals in Latin America have been caught apparently wanting to mint cryptocurrency. The fine comes just two weeks after Chilean cops found a drug trafficking ring in Santiago had a Bitcoin mining operation up and running. Very interesting. It's, also, it's just interesting that the prisons are run by criminals there. That's just wild. Okay, next up, uh, some FUD from 1996 that's resurfaced. Uh, this is from Bitcoin.com. This was posted a couple days ago. Um, and the article is entitled, Did the NSA Invent Bitcoin? A 1996 research paper reignites the debate. Bitcoin, whose existence is widely attributed to the elusive Satoshi Nakamoto, now has whispers suggesting its true origin might be the United States Department of Defense's intelligence arm, the NSA. This isn't a new narrative, but we'll dive into its prior emergence shortly. For now, it's worth noting this theory, along with NSA's paper, has gained traction on the social media platform X. The, this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm not on X anymore, because it's, it's just full of FUD and garbage. Noster is way better, way more signal. The NSA invented Bitcoin. Daniel Roberts must, 1996 paper titled How to Make a Mint, the Crypto... The cryptography of anonymous electronic cash sources include Tatsuaki Okamoto. Who else would be able to sit anonymously on a million coins? Oh, and they invented SHA-256. Uh, penned by Laurie Law, Susan Sabat, and Jerry Salinas on June 18, 1996, the NSA paper delves into online transactions cryptography, and digital signatures. It suggests a distributed framework with the potential for untraceability. The proposed electronic coin even spans offline uses. Roberts comments on X 
uh, prompted a flurry of reactions. Ian Grigg, a computer scientist and financial cryptographer, clarified it as just a paper from the NSA written back in the day. It made a little splash. It was designed to inform the IC how digital cash like CHOM blinded money of the 1990s worked at the time. Hint, it's using CHOMian terms like mint and anonymous electronic cash. Another voice, cryptographer Adam Back weighed in, that's more like CHOM eCash variant i.e. centralized e-cash, not that that related to Bitcoin. David Chom introduced the idea of digital cash in the early 1980s and published a paper titled Blind Signatures for Untraceable Payments in 1982. The NSA document received attention uh, isn't new. Media outlet CNN.com tackled it years ago, though updated iterations surfaced in 2021. The piece got archived on June 6, 2018. The write-up also touched on the NSA's creation of the SHA-256 cryptographic hash function. On June 6, 2019, CNN released another piece titled Four Reasons to Believe the Deep State or the NSA Created Bitcoin, notably without referencing the 1996 document. Even before Bitcoin's inception in 2005, leaks revealed that the NSA and the Pentagon poured vast resources into supercomputers and expansive data facilities in Utah and Maryland. By 2011, the NSA had developed an $895.6 million supercomputing hub in Fort Meade, Maryland, initially drawing more than 60 megawatts of power to start. Reports claim the Fort Meade NSA facility has 70,000 square feet of technical space and the Utah data center has approximately 100,000 square feet designated for computers. Beyond these tech marvels, the NSA allegedly monitored Bitcoin users in 2013. This revelation came courtesy of whistleblower Edward Snowden and a Freedom of Information Act request. The NSA reportedly tracked Bitcoin enthusiasts using its X-Key score software capable of pinpointing a user's internet protocol address. The Monkey Rocket program was at the helm of this operation. Described as a non-Western internet anonymization service, Monkey Rocket leveraged full-take surveillance. The NSA, when approached by The Intercept for a statement, remained tight-lipped. There's also chatter that the software played a significant role in taking down the Liberty Reserve Exchange, which U.S. federal prosecutors shuttered under the Patriot Act in May 2013. Yet, as history often repeats, the 1996 NSA paper is once again a hot topic on social platforms, catching, although it's not on, not on Noster, oddly enough, catching the attention of crypto influencers. I actually do believe this, commented Nick Carter on Robert's NSA post on X. I call it the Bitcoin lab leak hypothesis. I think it was a shuttered internal R&D project, which... One researcher thought was too good to lay fallow on the shelf and chose to secretly release. Carter elaborated, this doesn't apply the U.S. government secretly controls all the Satoshi coins, by the way. In my version of this made-up idea, the researcher did it without permission of the NSA and chose to leave the coins behind so as to preserve his anonymity. Tatsuaki Okamoto mentioned in the NSA report is a distinguished cryptographer affiliated with Japan's NTT. To date, Okamoto's pioneering work has garnered over 23,000 citations in academic circles. Um, so, interesting. Um, sounds like FUD, but you know, if you 
believe the lab, lab leak theory, then um, perhaps it was developed and then released into the wild like COVID, and uh, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. But uh, either way, thought this was interesting, and so if you hear about NSA FUD, you'll know more when you hear about it. Uh, Bitcoin.com has another article. Um, they had a lot this week that were kind of interesting. Uh, this one was posted today, or updated today, and it's called Decoding Atomicals, Unpacking the Newest Addition to Bitcoin's Tech Suite. Since the close of 2022, Bitcoin has seen the rollout of several technologies that use data embedding schemes to craft new coins, non-fungible tokens, and name service domains. domains. One of the standout technologies today is the ordinal inscriptions on Bitcoin. And by the way, you know, there's a lot of um, debate over ordinals and, and things like that. And I, I kind of believe that Bitcoin is a free market. Uh, ordinal inscriptions, of course, you know, uh, cause uh, transaction fees to rise, which is good for miners, bad for people that are trying to move uh, coins on chain makes it more expensive. That was that was what happened, I guess, uh, several months ago. <clears throat> um, but it's a free market. And, um, you know, I think ultimately, you know, uh, the market forces will determine what uh, what what will and won't work on Bitcoin. So um, not opposed to any of this, uh, even though some people are like, well, it should stop and we should, you know, do a hard fork and change this and all that. And a lot of this was made possible by a recent upgrade, uh, you know, the taproot upgrade that was done recently, I think allows for these uh, ordinal inscriptions, which are really like NFTs, basically just on the Bitcoin chain. Uh, anyway, so the article goes on to date about 34.55 million ordinal inscriptions are linked to the distributed ledger. Ordinals have also produced tens of thousands of new coins called BRC20s. So that's the other thing. So there's NFTs and then there's Bitcoins on Bitcoin, essentially. Additionally, there are Bitcoin stamps, a data embedding method that also taps into the counterparty blockchain network. So far, about 74,640 stamps have been minted on the chain. A recent addition to this lineup is a data embedding technology named Atomicals, which can produce coins dubbed ARC20 tokens. The Atomicals technology can also be harnessed to mint NFTs, and it introduces a name service domain structure called Realms. According to the creators, the, an Atomical, colloquially known as an atom, changes how users handle the creation, transfer, and evolution of digital objects on the Bitcoin blockchain. Atomical developers believe that at its core, it's a dynamic chain of digital ownership shaped by a set of clear rules. Ordinals and Atomicals share key similarities. Both empower individuals to innovate and create with Bitcoin. On the distinction front, Atomicals rely on Electrum X as an indexer, whereas Ordinals turn to the Ord indexer. Atomicals documentation highlights that the technology features a distinct class of container NFTs, simplifying the process of defining collections. The Atomicals guidebook underscores that Atomicals are defined as digital objects, ordinals as digital artifacts, and Ethereum ERC-721s as digital collectibles. Data from 
Dune Analytics reveals that since block height 808.513, approximately 69,847 atomical digital object transactions have been confirmed on Bitcoin's distributed ledger. Further data points out that transactions involving atomicals have contributed 5.772 Bitcoin or $153,611 to miners since the technology's introduction. The Realm's name service also features a notable list of names like TimeChain, Volt, Flex, Collect, Anon, and Idle, among others. Only time will reveal whether atomicals endure and garner demand and if the technology gains acceptance in the wider community. While ordinal inscriptions and traditional financial inscription enthusiasts have butted heads, a fresh market for utilizing block space on Bitcoin has sprung up regardless of differing opinions. And again, it's a free market. Uh, the market will decide whether or not these things have value in the future. Obviously, the uh, NFTs that are on the Ethereum blockchain have... I was just reading an article that the, most of them have collapsed, something like 83% in value. Um, now, some of that might have to do with the bear market. Some of it might have to do that they're actually worthless. Um, most people think, most Bitcoiners think that shitcoins uh, in general are worthless, and so in, in particular NFTs. But there might be some value in digital collectibles in the future. Who knows? Um, the point is, is that the Bitcoin blockchain now provides the infrastructure for digital tokens, digital NFTs, um, and you know you can store your value in Bitcoin, and you have Lightning Network to transfer value at low cost. So. Um, you know, it basically does everything that the shitcoin chains do. So that's the that's I guess on the plus side. You don't need to use Ethereum or Solana or any of these other networks because Bitcoin could do what those things do. But on the other hand, you know, there's concern about cluttering up the block space with all this stuff. Um, but again, Bitcoin's always allowed people to save images. Uh, you know, uh, or text to the blockchain and it's there in perpetuity. So if you, you know, it's, it's kind of like the digital version of a message in a bottle. So, um, that part of it is kind of cool cause it's immutable and it's permanent. And, uh, if you really wanted to save something that's uh, really important, that's a way to do it. You'd have to pay a lot of fees probably to, to get, you know, to get that, you know, added. And that's what typically happens with these, ordinals which causes you know again fees to fees to go up and the mempool will never clear probably um of transactions that need to be um you know posted to the ledger as a result but uh again free market you know the it will decide ultimately what's valuable and what's not uh moving on haven't heard from him in a while, so I thought I would pop in to see what Robert Kiyosaki is saying. He advises buying Bitcoin today foresees a rush to buy Bitcoin as stocks, bonds, and real estate crash. And this is from Bitcoin.com. This was updated today. The famous author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, has urged all investors to buy gold, silver, and Bitcoin today before the stock, bond, and real estate markets crash. And people rush to buy those three assets. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a 1997 book co-authored by Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list for over six years. <clears throat> more than 32 million copies of the book have been sold in over 51 languages across more than 
109 countries. In fact, that was my first personal finance book I ever read many years ago. Kiyosaki shared on social media platform X on Tuesday that he is constantly asked about what the price of gold, silver, and Bitcoin will be in 2025. My reply is that is a silly question. He said, adding that the more important question is how many gold, silver, Bitcoins do you have today? He explained, uh, gold, silver, and Bitcoin are bargains today, but not tomorrow. America is broke. Buy gold, silver, and Bitcoin today before stocks, bonds, and real estate crash and people rush for gold, silver, and Bitcoin. In February, Kiyosaki predicted that the price of Bitcoin will hit $500,000 by 2025, while gold will soar to $5,000 and silver will reach $500. In August, he said that Bitcoin will rise to a million, while gold will jump to $75,000 and silver to $60,000 if the world economy crashes. I have no idea if those numbers are right, but, you know, sounds good. Kiyosaki also previously warned that a giant crash is coming uh, and the possibility of a depression is not to be dismissed. Earlier this month, he predicted that Airbnb will lead the real estate market crash. And I've actually been hearing a lot of people talk about this. I know George Gammon talks about this a lot on his channel, that um, so many people got into real estate and um, uh, with the intent of using Airbnb to cover their mortgage payment. And uh, there's some some places are banning Airbnbs, which is a problem. And uh, and if you get a really bad recession, the demand for Airbnbs uh, tends to go down uh, just from less travelers. Plus, Airbnbs now, in some cases, not cheaper than a hotel because uh, of all the fees they add on and that sort of thing. And so, uh, you know. Basically, Airbnb demand drops, uh, people can't afford their mortgages, uh, so then the next thing they do is they have to sell. And then all of a sudden you have an influx of inventory on the market, and then that you know causes real estate prices to drop. So, uh, so a lot of people are speculating that Airbnb will sort of be the trigger for a real estate crash. And yeah, I don't think that's, a, that's wrong. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint what exactly will be the thing, but, um, uh, um, you know, with, with mortgage rates being super high, uh, and you know, um, there's still demand, which is causing home prices still to increase, but that's because nobody's selling because nobody wants to sell because they're just hanging in there with their low mortgage rate. So, um, again, time will tell. So he says he expects the U.S. economy to head for a crash landing, further predicting that the U.S. dollar will die. The renowned author cautioned that the Federal Reserve will be forced to print billions in fake money. He sees fiat money, including the U.S. dollar, as fake money, while gold and silver are God's money and Bitcoin is people's money. Last week, Kiyosaki said that crypto is the future and fiat money is toast. I uh, can't disagree with him. I don't know what, I mean, you know, on it. Honestly, if, if gold is um, $75,000 an ounce and silver is $60,000 an ounce, um, that's really bad. Like that means everything's gone to zero and it's just, you know, it's, we're going to be in a major depression. So I can't say that I look forward to that. Um, but, you know, again, that's why you want to own those assets in your portfolio. 
Uh, next up is uh, some uh, Hopium. Uh, this is from Bitcoin.com, and this was posted today. Skybridge founder, every Wall Street firm will sell Bitcoin ETF to clients. Next 10 to 20 years are remarkably bullish. Skybridge Capital founder Anthony Scaramucci explained why he remains optimistic about the future of Bitcoin during a fireside chat titled Why I'm Still Bullish at the Masari Mainnet Conference in New York on Thursday. Nothing that he believes, uh, sorry, noting that he believes the worst of the Bitcoin bear market is over, he advised, if you got your Bitcoin, I wouldn't sell your Bitcoin. You made it through winter. The next 10 to 20 years are remarkably bullish. He believes that young people will be mainstreaming Bitcoin in the same way his generation mainstreamed the internet. The Skybridge Capital founder cautioned that headwinds are still in the macro environment, including higher interest rates and enforcement-centric Securities and Exchange Commission chairman, and negative sentiment around crypto adoption. Nonetheless, he remains optimistic about Bitcoin, stating as wealth is created in society, a portion of that wealth is going to get chipped off for digital assets, most likely Bitcoin. He also reiterated his longstanding view that Bitcoin is better than gold. Scaramucci further expects the approval of Bitcoin exchange trading funds to be a game changer. He anticipates massive and widespread adoption of Bitcoin once Bitcoin ETFs become commonplace. The Skybridge Capital founder opined, every single Wall Street firm is going to have a Bitcoin ETF in their arsenal. When Wall Street has something in their arsenal, they sell it to their clients. The market for Bitcoin is going to widen. And I tend to agree. Um, and I think if you look at history, like say when uh, the GLD ETF came to be, that was a big uh, catalyst for the price of gold. So you probably would see the same thing with Bitcoin. Um, so... Um, stay humble, stack sats. And then uh, finally, uh, this is an article from Bitcoin Magazine, um, sort of on the topic of adoption, nation state adoption. Uh, this was posted on September 21st. Articles entitled Prince Philip of Serbia leads the way for Bitcoin nation state adoption. In recent years, the world has witnessed a remarkable shift towards digital currencies with Bitcoin taking the lead. Now, a powerful advocate for this decentralized form of money has emerged in the form of Prince Philip of Serbia. With visionary initiatives he is working on like Jan3 and Aqua Wallet, he is leading the way for Bitcoin nation-state adoption. Let's delve into the various aspects that highlight Prince Philip's role in his global movement. Prince Philip of Serbia is not just a member of royalty, he is also a passionate advocate for the widespread use of Bitcoin. His influence, combined with his knowledge of financial systems, allows him to spearhead innovative initiatives that bridge the gap between traditional governance and the free, decentralized, and digital future he seeks. <clears throat> Prince Philip envisions a world where Bitcoin becomes an integral part of nation-states' financial system. Through collaboration with governments, he aims to facilitate the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender thereby revolutionizing how transactions are conducted and empowering citizens to embrace the benefits of Bitcoin. Bitcoin can thrive as a legitimate alternative to traditional fiat currencies. While Prince Philip's efforts are global in nature, his focus on El Salvador is particularly significant. El Salvador holds the distinction of being the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, thanks to the groundbreaking legislation passed in 2021. 
This move has garnered international attention and sparked discussions about the future of Bitcoin in mainstream economies. Prince Philip's role as a bridge between nations goes beyond Bitcoin adoption. He envisions a global network of interconnected economies where Bitcoin serves as a catalyst for economic growth, financial inclusion, and cross-border cooperation. His tireless efforts to promote the benefits of Bitcoin are driven by a genuine belief in the transformative power of decentralized finance. So it sounds like he really gets it. The deployment of Jan3 in El Salvador has the potential to transform the country's economy. By educating and promoting the use of Bitcoin, Jan3 fosters financial inclusion and stimulates economic growth. Another remarkable innovation championed by Jan3 is Aqua Wallet. This user-friendly digital wallet provides a secure and convenient way to store, send, and receive Bitcoin. With its intuitive interface and robust security measures, Aqua Wallet encourages a wider audience to explain to explore the world of Bitcoin. Aqua Wallet plays a crucial role in advancing Bitcoin adoption in El Salvador by facilitating easy and secure transactions. It eliminates the barriers that may deter individuals from embracing digital currencies. Aqua Wallet empowers Salvadorans to participate in the Bitcoin economy and leverage its potential for personal and economic growth. Furthermore, Jan3 helps reduce the dependency on traditional banking systems in El Salvador with a significant portion of the population lacking access to basic financial services. Jan3 is hoping AquaWallet citizens globally can use it to help conduct Bitcoin financial transactions. This not only empowers individuals, but also strengthens the overall resilience, resilience of the economy. As the movement for Bitcoin nation-state adoption gains momentum, it is essential to consider potential challenges and solutions as well as global implications of this shift. A successful Bitcoin nation-state would not only impact the adopting country, but also have ripple effects worldwide. It challenges the traditional monetary system by offering an alternative that transcends borders and promotes financial sovereignty. This could inspire other nations to explore Bitcoin adoption and reshape the global financial landscape. In conclusion, Prince Philip of Serbia's leadership in advocating for Bitcoin nation-state adoption is reshaping the future of finance. Through initiatives like Jan3 and AquaWallet, he is empowering individuals and governments to embrace the potential of Bitcoin. From his vision for a Bitcoin nation-state to the impact of Jan3 and AquaWallet, Prince Philip's efforts are paving the way for a Bitcoin revolution. As the world embarks on this transformative journey, it is crucial to remain vigilant, collaborative, and forward-thinking in our approach to harnessing the power of Bitcoin. So I thought this was a really interesting story. I didn't even know about Prince Philip, but uh, he is uh, definitely gets it. And, um, you know, hopefully he will uh, continue to have success in uh, progressing nation-state adoption. And finally, I uh, just wanted to highlight this week's uh, Substack post, The Power of Bitcoin Mining, Securing the Future of Digital Gold, um, which I just posted yesterday. As always, I will include links to all of the articles that I reviewed this week in the show notes, and there will also be a link to uh, my Substack. And if you like it, please subscribe. It's free. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. 
You can also follow my Substack again at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And don't look for me on Twitter. I'm not there. I'm not on any social media except Noster. So uh, if you want to join me on Noster, uh, my Noster uh, pub key is in the show notes. And with that, I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. 